Church, um, I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. It was busy for us in the Boudreaux household, busy for everyone else, traveling, lots of it. We have much to be thankful for. Uh, The text that we're actually going through is fitting because it is uh, give us this day our daily bread, which is in light of Thanksgiving, very fitting. Um, So why don't we begin in prayer and then we will... uh, dig into these seven words and what they mean and apply them to ourselves. Let's pray. Oh Lord God, you are mighty and you have everything. All things are at your disposal, Lord. Everything that you have created is yours. You own cattle on a thousand hills, Lord. You own the hills that they stand on, Lord. You are um, mighty indeed to provide Thank you for being our provider. And Lord, we are on the opposite end, infinitely needy. Everything that we have is a gift from you. Everything that we have, Lord, is coming from our gracious Father who provides for us. I pray that in this we see our need and your infinite goodness and gifts. And may we be thankful and may we diligently seek you in them, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. As we've seen, there's two texts in the Gospels that show the Lord's Prayer. One is in Matthew chapter 6, one is in Luke chapter 11. But first we'll start with Matthew 6. And just as a recap, um, the context in Matthew chapter 6 is that Jesus is the king who is bringing his kingdom. His kingdom call is repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's calling subjects into his kingdom, whether it's his disciples, calling them by name, or just people hearing and being drawn by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's healing sicknesses and disease, uh, creating a, a picture of what it will be like in the final state of the kingdom where there is no sickness, there is no death. He's raising people from the dead. Uh, he is casting out demons where there will be no evil, there will be no Satan, there will be no demons in the last state of things. Um, But temporarily, he's bursting this kingdom into time and space. And so then he begins to teach in the Sermon of the Mount in chapter 5 in Matthew that um, this is what subjects of the kingdom do. This is what they look like. And in the middle of that, this is how they pray. And so we pick it up at Chapter 6, verse 5, and it reads, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father, I'm sorry, do not yeah, be like them, for your father knows that what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. If you would now turn over to Luke chapter 11, we'll look at verse 1. The prayer is repeated. It's probably a different instance, but it's, it's definitely more abbreviated in this version. 
And we're probably more used to reciting the Matthew version than we would be the Luke version. But the context here is Jesus had just finished praying. And after he had finished praying, one of the disciples asked him how to pray. And then Jesus teaches some of the disciples or all of the disciples how to do it, what to say. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. This prayer, if, uh, how many people have been in churches where this prayer has been recited in the liturgy? Or you have been, you've memorized it, maybe in a Catholic church or a Lutheran church, you know? Um, this prayer, like any scripture that we memorize, can become so rote that it really becomes meaningless to us. We just kind of say it. Um, particularly this, because like, if we memorize a passage of scripture, say like John 3.16, um, we may say it to people often because it's just a catch, kind of a catch. Um, uh, we want to talk about a summary of the gospel or something like that. That is a good one to use. When we are... Um, Doing the Lord's Prayer, it's typically in the context of a church service, <clears throat> if we're not praying it on our own. And if we say it verbatim, it tends to be the same thing, and it comes out, and we're not even thinking. It's like singing a song. If we, if we pick any song that we do, say like, I don't know, it's um, a common one, like In Christ Alone, or something like that. We can sing In Christ Alone so often the, the words become meaningless. We don't even think about them. We just know it so well. We know the melody so well. It just comes out. It's like muscle memory. Um, so the good thing about these kinds of studies and the, the point of teaching is to dive in and to pull out what's there. So hopefully the way it's taught and the way it's said, hopefully it'll hit you afresh so that you can then change when you get to this part in the Lord's Prayer. You can say, give us this day our daily bread. That means something different to me now. The, the point of this is like... Uh, there's like this hardened ground called the Lord's Prayer. And the point of these teachings is, is to bust that up so that we can then till the soil and we can, we can uh, reap from it. So um, as it has probably already been said, I haven't sit, sat through and all of the teachings uh, so far, but um, two things I want to say about the Lord's Prayer. First, James Montgomery, Gum, Montgomery Boyce writes, There are six petitions following the initial address to God as Father. The first three concern God's honor, which is hallowed be your name, God's kingdom, may your kingdom come, and God's will, let your will be done. The last three concern human needs. This places God's concerns first, just as with the Ten Commandments on the first table concerning the duties we owe to God, and the second table concerning our duties that we owe to neighbors. In our day, it's usually in reverse. We begin with human needs, and unfortunately, we never get around to God or his glory at all. So the point is that the Lord's Prayer is broken up into God-word prayers. Lord, may your name be hallowed. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then it turns to our, our earthly needs. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Uh, the second point before we begin is uh, the prayer is not meant per se, to be verbatim. John Calvin writes, he says, It was not the intention of the Son of God to prescribe the words which we must use so as not to leave us at liberty to depart from the form which he has dictated. 
His intention, rather, was to guide and restrain our wishes that we might not go beyond those limits, and hence we infer that the rule which he has given us for praying aright relates not to the words but to the things themselves. So that's why it's common for people who, who use the Lord's Prayer outside, say, like a uh, liturgical setting where we're as a corporate body uh, and we're using it as like a common confession. This is how we pray. That's why when we use it, it's commonly good to pray it and then kind of break off and pray our own things off of it. You know, So our Father... Father, you are a father because you have made me your son. You have made me your daughter. I'm an adopted child of God. And it just leads into all these different roads. Calvin is saying the point is it teaches you what to pray, but you don't have to pray just that. It it teaches you the boundaries of the things that you should pray for. So the text that we're looking at is give us this day our daily bread. So um, kind of the summary of the whole thing is this. Our Father has a daily provision for our earthly needs. In this petition, we are asking God for that provision today. The interesting thing is when I was going through this, um, the way I've always thought about give us this day our daily bread is that daily bread is referring to food or it's referring to spiritual need. Like, give me your word of God today, your scripture. Provide that to me. And in looking at uh, all the commentaries I've looked at, no one referred to it as a spiritual thing. No one referred to it as daily bread, like that, that little devotional, our daily bread. No one referred to it like that, whether it was Puritans or Calvin, whether it was um, uh, MacArthur. All, it was always about physical needs. So I thought that was interesting. So why don't we start with uh, the word bread. These seven words, let's break it up and look at the last thing first so we know what we're asking God to give us. So the word bread, in the Greek, if you look at the word, it actually means bread, a loaf. Okay, so that's clear. But is it referring to just physical bread? No. Um, if you look at the, the New Bible Dictionary, what I found was that bread was so, such a vital commodity. It's always been a vital com- a commodity. But sometimes vital commodities become um, words that mean greater things. So, for example... Um, it says, from the earliest times, the word bread was used for food in general. Uh, Calvin says, a very frequent syndectiche occurs in the word bread, under which the Hebrews include every description of food. So we use syndectiches all the time. It's a, it's a figure of speech that is, uh, refers to a part, um, where a part of a thing refers to the whole thing. So if I say, that's a nice set of wheels, you know that I'm not talking about just the wheels, I'm talking about the whole car. If I say all hands on deck, you know I'm not saying I just want the hands on deck. I want the whole body of people that come on deck. So, too, with the syndectiche, we're saying um, in here that give us this day our daily bread. It's not just referring in, in the Jewish mind. It's not referring to just bread itself, but all manner of food. So the question becomes, is that all we're asking for is food? At mealtimes, is this the prayer we're supposed to pray when God, or when we get up in the morning, we're just praying that God would provide food for us? Um, and Calvin writes, he says, uh, But here it has a still more extensive meaning, for we ask not only that the hand of God may supply us with food, but that we may receive all that is necessary for the present life. We are commanded in so many passages to throw all our cares in the bosom of God, and he graciously promises that he will withhold from us no good thing. In a perfect rule of prayer such as this, therefore, some direction must be laid down as to the innumerable wants of this present life. 
And in every commentary I looked at, it was the same thing, um, except for one, I think. Matthew Henry kind of made it sound like he's just talking about food, but everyone else, it, it was seemingly, this is all about, we are needy. God is infinitely abundant, and we are his children, and he longs to give good gifts to his children. So the whole scope of the Bible, it's clear, God needs to provide for us, because if he doesn't, we have nothing, you know? So I don't think it's wrong to extend it to other things. And even, even though no, none, none said this, even spiritual things, like God, provide us, provide us um, uh, a word from your scripture this morning that will strengthen me in the inner man. It's not wrong to pray for that. But in particular, it's talking about earthly things. The next two petitions in particular are talking about spiritual things. Forgive us our, daily, or forgive us our sins as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. But this is particularly upon uh, earthly things. Um, I think it's no secret that, that anybody who is a believer knows that we are infinitely needy. You know, we have an absolute need. Okay? We're, like, we're like infants that come into this world that have uh, need of everything. If I were to put my son Isaac down and walk away from him, he would, he would not make it because he has no means in and of himself to be able to get anything that would provide for himself. He is helpless and therefore hopeless. He has nothing. In the same way, we have, um, we have nothing in and of ourselves to be able to provide for ourselves. Now, the unbeliever might say that, well, I work for what I have. I work hard. I work my tail off. I, I get all of my money so that I could buy things so it provides for me. I'm a self-made person. I do it for myself. And they might also uh, vastly look at what is for granted, things that they don't even think about. The fact that I could even have a drink of water, the fact that I could even um, swallow to drink the water, those things are taken for granted by believer and unbeliever alike. And on top of that, what about um, the common phrases that we use and the common thinking in our culture of luck, chance? What are the odds? I say this all the time. What are the odds? When something crazy happens, I'm like, what are the odds that that would happen? And it's so foolish. I mean, I'm totally buffeted by this passage because it's like, Odds? <laughs> um, so that's the unbeliever. And for the believer, it sadly, it just happens to be very little difference. Um, we tend to think of very noticeable things as from God, provisions from God. When we, ha- when we have food, we tend to pretty much always have food. And when we have food, it's, it's never really a, Lord, we need our meal today. We, we, we may not eat this, this lunch um, at this lunchtime, unless you provide food. It's usually not like that. It's like, we have it, thank you, Lord, again, for giving us food. We're very abundant here. But may we not forget that it's not like that all over the world, and it hasn't been like that um, for all time. But our, our common tendency due to indwelling sin is to take most things for granted. And we tend to think that we're working and we're bringing in these things on our own. Who gives us the energy to actually get up in the morning? Who gives us the heartbeat that we may actually live? Who gives us the breath in our lungs that we can actually function? What would it be like if you were to choke on your food as you're eating it and suddenly stop and grasp yourself? You would have no care for anything else in this world. You'd be focusing on this one thing, and your whole life stops. Are you then able to work? Are you then able to provide for your family? Are you then able to do anything? No. We're completely dependent upon God's gift, his gracious provision day by day. 
Um, we tend to think, we, we tend to ask God for things in moments where there are crises going on. There's a sick child. There's a dying loved one. We're short with bills, things like that. Um, and we may actually ask God daily for these things until we get them, until the crisis passes. But generally, the tendency is once it passes, we go back to former ways and we do things the way um, we used to do them. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4, 7, he says, Corinthians, what do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Now, we may not boast, but we definitely act as though we did not receive it. So it would read like this. Why do you then act as if you did not receive it? Why do you act as though you are entitled to it? Or it's just always been that way. You you deserve these things. Taking things for granted is very arrogant. We have been given all things. The thing, hopefully this is going to kind of align our thinking as to the magnitude that we're given and that there's no such thing as for granted. There's no such thing as anything that we have. If you were to sit down and list out every single thing that you own and, and every, every gift that you, everything that you have, the list would be humongous and you can attribute all of that to God. You could not attribute it to yourself. Think of a farmer who goes out and he plants. He is laboring. He's working. He's planting into the ground. He's tilling up the soil first, planting into the ground. And he is relying on God's gracious provision for that seed, the energy to work and till that land, the ability for the seed to be at a perfect depth where it would um, uh, be able to germinate, the sun that has come out uh, to, to make this whole process work, the rain that is to come that is to make the, the, the seed grow. It's all dependent upon God. Um, so the first part of the prayer, give, give. We are very needy. Second part of the prayer, us, give us. The context of this prayer is for believers. While many, of, many a non-believer has prayed this prayer over and over the centuries, um, and even though while God is graciously providing for unbelievers every single day with his common grace, um, this prayer is for believers. Um, we are adopted children of God. We deserve nothing. We have earned nothing. We, what could we come to God and say, oh, you owe us this, God? He provides everything to us as a gracious gift because we're his children. Um, this is a letter um, addressed from us to our Father. And who is the Father? He is, he is better than any earthly father. He is more gracious. And think of, think of an earthly father who has given us good gifts. Like it says later in Matthew, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the, will the Heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask of Him? Our Father is good. We need to know that. We need to know that the Father is good. That is what he is like. He, it pleases him to good, give good gifts to his children. So this us, the context of the us, is his people. Um, so give us, and rather than go to this day, I'm going to put that at the end, but our daily bread. I'm going to kind of go over that part. So give us this day. I'm sorry. Give us our daily bread. So like I just said, our Our is not referring to, we don't want to think, well, this is my allotment, like the prodigal son. Give me my share of the inheritance. Lord, give me this. You owe me this. Like I said, God owes us nothing. Um, 
We are not entitled to this. John Gill wrote, he said, Everything is ours by gift, appointed for us by God's providence, possessed by our labor. Let me read that again. It says, ours, everything we have is a gift, appointed for us by God's providence, possessed by labor. So, like I said, even though we work for these things, it is still a gift. It's given to us by his providential heavenly father hand. Um, our daily bread. Daily suggests the multitude of needs that we have every single day. Our Father answers these needs with the portion of His providence that He sees fit to give us every day. So what this prayer is saying is, you're coming before your Heavenly Father, say in the morning, and you say, Father, give me, give me my daily bread, my, my daily, according to my needs that you know better than I know, give me this provision that you have allotted for me today. Give me whatever you see fit because you're working all things together for my good. Give me that lot today. I need it today. Provide it for me, whatever it is. And it may not look as it, we think it might ought to look. And it may be more abundant on one day seemingly to us than it would be on another. But we're coming before God and recognizing our need. God, give me today my lot of provision Kind of like the Israelites in the Old Testament going through the wilderness, God is providing manna for them, and he is providing it from heaven. They wake up each morning, they go and take their, enough that they can bring back to the tent just for that day. Okay, That's kind of the point of this prayer. It's not, like I'll, I'll get to, it's not for tomorrow. Like God, just bless, bless the rest of the week kind of thing. This is meant to, um, to stir and to cultivate a daily dependence upon our Heavenly Father rather than... A, oh God, I'm a child of the king. God's got this. I, I'm gonna, he'll bless me. He'll bless me. That's not what God wants, not the kind of attitude God wants us to have. It's a daily dependence upon him. Um, so we've already talked about bread, meaning everything in life that we need. We're just needy in all areas. So give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day. By saying this day, it suggests the uncertainty of life for tomorrow. We're not promised tomorrow. James 4.13-16 says, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time <clears throat> and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we will live or do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Now, we know as believers that we could die at any moment. We know that God holds our life in his very hand. But the way we live and the way we, by the way we pray uh, shows that we really think that tomorrow is going to be there. That's just We presume upon tomorrow. We think that we're going to be here. But we don't know that. And so, this teaches us to come to God day by day. God, I am infinitely needy. You are infinitely abundant. I come to you and ask for your daily provision, your allotment for me. Give me your good gifts today. Whatever they may be, even if they don't look good in my sight when you give them. Give them, and give me only enough for today. Because I, I'm not going to presume to think that tomorrow I'm going to be here. 
Um, and also by saying this day, give it to me just for today, it's also striking at all the anxiety and excessive cares that we might have for tomorrow. We are constantly, we are so fill, filled with cares. What's going to happen with this tomorrow or that thing that's going to happen next week? When God says, Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you being anxious could add a single hour to your span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So also by saying today, God is building in, by design, a restraint from covetousness. Things, God, I want to be this. I want to do this. I want what they have. I want, I want to aspire to this. Now, in saying that, it's not wrong to have goals and to desire things. Um, but of course, I mean, we know any goal that we, any goal that we have, anything that we want to be, any, any desire that we have, we always cover that with saying, if it's according to your will, not my will, but your will. We always say that. So it is right to plan. It is right to put things in order. It is right to want to be things and do things, but it is always in submission to, if it is according to your will. Um, also by saying this day we are kept, like I said, kept up in the duty of prayer and in constant dependence upon God. Breaking through that constant um, uh, level ground where we keep going to where it's like, this is all for granted. Yeah, God's got me. He's, he's taking care of his children. No, this is a constant dependence. If you were to wake up daily or whenever you do it and you wake up and you say, God, I am a dependent being. There's nothing in it of myself that I've provided for myself. All energy, all, um, all faculties, whether it be mental, the, the ability for me to be able to go to work and do my job and think through these things and to be able to actually provide for my family, the ability that I'm able to work by, through the end of the day, through the end of a week, through the end of two weeks to get a paycheck that comes in to provide the food that's on my table. You know, it may not be as cut and dry as a farmer who goes out and plants and then reaps and brings into the storehouses and makes bread or whatever with the food that he brought in you know for us there's a lot more steps in between but the process is the same you know we go and we go in the strength that God provides and we and we daily come to him and he provides and isn't it amazing that even though we don't do this day by day asking as we ought God still provides you know now sinfully we take it for granted and say well that's the way it is but God is a gracious God and he loves us very much, and he is a good father, and he provides for us even when we're not asking as we ought to, because he knows what we need. That's what he says. So, what we just said, in summary, our father has a daily provision for our earthly needs. 
In this petition, we're asking God that that provision be made for us this day. Does that make sense? His daily allotment, what he would have us to have, whether it seemingly is what we think we need or not, because he works all things together for his good, that thing is going to be perfect. We're saying, God, I am dependent on you. Give, please, that allotment to me today from your fatherly hand. The Heidelberg Catechism, which is a catechism in the 1500s, and a catechism is a series of question and answers so that you learn the faith. Question 125 says, what is the fourth petition? Answer, give us this day our daily bread. That is, be pleased, God, to provide us with all things necessary for the body, that we may thereby acknowledge thee to be the only fountain of all good, and that neither our care nor our industry, our working, or even your gifts can profit us without your blessing, and therefore that we may withdraw our trust from creatures and place it alone on thee. Westminster Shorter Catechism in the 1600s. Question, what do we pray for in the fourth petition? Answer, we pray that of God's free gift, we may receive a competent portion of the good things of this life and enjoy his blessing with them. In parentheses, not apart from them. Not just enjoying what he gives, but enjoying him in them. Uh, As I said in Matthew 7, Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if a son asks for bread, would you give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, would you give him a snake? If then you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? He charges us. He says, ask. We have a daily tendency, I've I've heard this my whole Christian life and I've experienced it myself. We lack in the area of prayer as believers. There are people who pray to varying degrees and there's some people who pray very often, but for the most part, we tend to pray less frequently than we ought. Now, knowing that, We can be encouraged that our Father is this good and he provides for his own. And we can think about these closing points. Point number one. As Hebrews 4.16 states, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy. Notice receive. That we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And in my thinking, it's like, in light of this passage, our time of need is all the time. It's a continual time of need. So, therefore, all the more we should draw near to God, to the throne of grace, to receive mercy and find grace to help. Second point to think about as we close. This continual coming to God produces the godly character of humility. Because if we... Assume that all things are ours and we never ask for them. We can therefore boast. We can forget God and we can say, look what my hand has done. In light of the text, I don't think you can go through scripture and and justify that way of thinking. John Stott has said that throughout our lives, no matter what sphere we're in, pride is our greatest enemy, humility is our greatest friend. And we want to cultivate humility and not cultivate pride and a way you can cultivate humility daily in our lives is to get up in the morning and say father 
I am needy. You are infinitely abundant, and you have chosen to set your love on me. And I am able to come, therefore, to the throne of grace to find grace for help in time of need. Please provide for me. This is not by my hand. This is all by your energy and strength. A third point to think about as we close. Um, In the areas that we lack, may we ask our Father for daily provision and thank him when he provides no matter what he gives. So it would be right to get up in the morning and say, God, please provide your daily portion, your daily allotment of what you would have just for this day. And at the end of the day, it would be right to say, Father, thank you for all that you have given because everything you've given is what your hand has ordained. And it is right. And that is what I need. That is what I needed. Whether I see it now or feel it now, that is what I needed. It was for my good. It was for the good of my household. It was for the good of your church, ultimately. Fourth thing to think about as we close. We should learn to be content in Christ's strength. As Philippians 4, 11 through 13 says, For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and learned the secret of facing hunger, abundance, and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And lastly, the thing that we can think about as we close. That's not lastly. Second to lastly. Where you have enough or more than enough, do not boast and, and forget God but rather affirm that every good thing we have comes from a gracious God who has the heart of a father. It doesn't come from ourselves, as I've said. Proverbs 37 through 9 says this very well. It says, Two things I ask of you, Lord. Deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you. And say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. In America, probably, our our needs are many, as I said. But in America, we have an abundance of things that God has given us. Okay? Um, So, we may not be praying, Lord, give us food for lunch. We have nothing. But when we have our food for lunch, we are to say... Lord, everything that I have for this lunch is from your gracious hand and and give thanks. And true thanks. We are so quick when we pray, aren't we, to, like I know with our kids, we're like, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. You put it in song, it's even worse. It just woodens it all the more. It makes it all, it makes it all like, I'm not even thinking about prayer right now, (laughs) you know. So we want to come before God and say, God, thank you. We want to have this mentality. We want our minds renewed that this is God saying, for you, you can have this lunch. We don't want to think, lunch again. Oh, let's eat. Quick, get the prayer out of the way. Lastly, we want to remember that whatever God gives or does not give in this life, most of all, we already have all things in Christ. Um, If you're talking about giving, if he were to give us nothing else in this world, and we deserve nothing, if he were to give us nothing else in this world, we know that he has given to us his son. Romans 8, 31 through 32. What then shall we say to these things? 
If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? We have all things in Christ. We cannot complain about a thing. If we do not get our way or do not get what we seemingly think we need, we do not deserve it, and we have everything already. If we were to die this day, you would step into eternity and you would forget every need that you ever had. Everything that you would have in in eternity would be infinitely more abundant. Let me back up. Were you to die today and to go into eternity, you would have... No need, you would have no lack because you'd have Christ. What is the difference between eternity and now? You have Christ now. You have no lack. No lack. Ephesians 1.3 said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in, in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. 2 Peter 1.3 His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. If you were to read through Ephesians chapter 1, as you probably have before, and you look at all the things that that he has given to us, that he has done for us, he has chosen us, he has predestined us, he has um, given us grace and forgiveness of sins from the storehouses of his grace. Think of the storehouses of God's grace and how he has abundantly poured that forth. While we were enemies of God, while we were sinners, he still did this. In all of this, this is actually, I was going to get into this, but, but um, kind of decided not to because I wanted to stay in the text. But God's providence is like the main heading if you were to look in systematic theology. God's providence, he is a father who provides for his children in all areas. He upholds all things. He sustains it. In Christ, all things hold together, Colossians says. Okay. Um, we affirm this. Uh, thoroughly in this church that God is the creator and the sustainer of all things. He did not just create and then walk away from his creation and let it be in motion to play out as it would. God is sustaining our very lives. The reason you can sit here for the span of time you can and have breath and not fall over is because God is sustaining you at this very minute. The reason you can have mental, for the, the, the ability to even think about what what I'm saying, or the ability for me to be able to even speak it, is all a gift from God. There's no way that we can actually pull this off on our own. We are dependent completely on everything that God has given us, moment by moment. We affirm it in what we pre, what is preached here, what we, uh, what we pray here, particularly in what we pray here. Do we ever pray as if God were not completely sovereign and abundant in all the all that He gives? We expect it. We come before God. We say, God, please provide healing for such and such a person. God, please please um, change their heart, God. Please, we know that God is able, and if God is willing, he can do these things. And we have nothing in and our, of ourselves to work that change. Yet we are to go. And God, God is gracious in it. We even sing it in our hymns. The second verse of... Praise to the Lord the Almighty says this. Praise to the Lord who over all things so wondrously reigneth. He shelters shelters thee under his wings, yes, so gently sustaineth. Hast thou not seen how all thy longings have been granted in what he ordaineth? We are people who have been given all things. So, 
An exhortation for us in all of this is may we daily come to our Father and ask for our daily bread. Just enough for this day, for we don't know if tomorrow will come. And by his grace, he will provide all that we need, whether we think we need more or not. That is what we need. And we can trust him. Amen? We can trust him. Any questions or comments you want to add to what we've talked about? I've talked about. Silent group. Nada. Kathy? Oh, you just moved your arm. Sorry. I'm fooling with you. All right. Well, let's pray. Our Father, daily we need all things. We come to you confessing, Lord, that we are, we are needy people, dependent beings, completely, completely at your mercy, Lord. You provide us with all things, food, drink. You provide us with shelter and clothing. You provide us with the gifts that you see fit to sustain our earthly lives as we're here. More than anything, Lord, we're thankful that you have given us all things in Christ and you've provided for us a standing that is not our own. Um, of our own doing, righteous in all of it because of the righteousness of Christ, that we are on a firm foundation that cannot be shaken. We are on the rock that is Christ. All of the ground is sinking sand. We stand upon you. Lord, right now I just ask for um, your provision and help for us in worship. We're thankful for this day that you have set aside that we could come together and we could worship you corporately. Lord, we're asking for um, grace in in our minds that we may think upon you in such a way that would bring joy to our hearts. Lord, our minds wander constantly. Our minds have cares in them that are constantly distracting us, Lord. We are cold so often, God. We do not desire you as we ought, Lord. We come in with fights and disputes. We come in... um, Lord, with Martin Luther, we say, we are beggars. We are so needy in every way. So, Lord, you are abundant. You are mighty. You have all grace. You have all good intention for us. You are all powerful, all mighty. So we ask for your provision. We know that this is what you are like. This is an attribute of God. You are good. Please provide for us. Help us to see Christ in the singing today. Help us to see Christ in the praying today, in the reading today, in the preaching today, would you enable Bobby to be able to preach? And may our hearts uh, respond in thankfulness to God and in faith and in obedience. We ask all these things, Lord, knowing that we're very weak. Even if we don't realize we're weak because we're arrogant in the moment, may we realize that we're weak. Help us, Lord. Help us in humility. Be thankful. We're thankful for all that you've given. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. You may be dismissed.